So we know that the Holy Spirit is always here. He's been here and he's not going anywhere. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, no, there is something to uh, take courage from in whatever we're doing because the Holy Spirit now lives in us. So it's not the, uh, you know, uh, the prophecy was that we would live in a land where the Holy Spirit would be dominant. So it's up to us to bring out the Holy Spirit from us because as born again believers, the Holy Spirit lives in us. He's not uh, somewhere out there. He's in us. So let's get him out. Get all that power out. You know? Because we have the same power that brought Jesus from the dead. And just imagine if we have that kind of power, which is more than an atom bomb or whatever, you know, we have that power, let's start using it. Because, uh, you know, uh, the church has been quiet all this time, all over the century. They've been quiet and, you know, they don't, they, they thought it was not, especially in this time, it's not politically correct to speak up. But no, God gave us the spirit to speak up. You know, speak up and uh, say the words that he's giving you to speak. Not your words, but his words. So let's start using that power. And we'll see a change in our country. Uh, now, communion communion is a thing which, uh, you know, uh, if you see the definition of communion, it's the, the joining of uh, uh, a train of thought or in, in thought or in spirit to what uh, uh, is really being done. So the first thing is when, uh, when Jesus died on the cross, you know, we look at all the he was on the cross, he suffered and died for us. Yes. But what was the thing that after the victory that we got through that crucifixion? Yes, yes the suffering was really bad. He took on himself all the sins, all the stuff. You know, he took on himself everything. So so that we may be free. Amen. Free from everything, not yes. small bits and pieces here and there, but in everything in, in health. And prosperity, you know, and, and, and just about everything. And he wants us to have a good life. But we got to, uh, you know, reach out to that and get it for us. It's not something which is just out there and just, uh, you know, we pray to God, oh God, please help me, please, please. God said, I've already done it to you. You know, I've given it to you. Get on it and move, move forward with it. You know, and we are not because we get, we get stuck because I'm talking through our, our personal experience because we've had, you know, everybody has problems. But what did Jesus say? Eternal life is not found when you die. Eternal life starts when you are born again. That's eternal life. So a joyous life, a prosperous life is all included in that eternal life. So let's reach out to it. You know, it's great. And I'll tell you, from my experience, it's a great thing to be. <laughs> so, uh, I got a little uh, thing here. Are you worried? You know, in Matthew 5, uh, 6, 25, 28, it says, Take no thought for life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Behold the fowls of the air, consider the lilies of the field. When Christ told us not to worry about the necessities of life, he gave us two examples. Jesus was sitting on the mountain with his disciples and said, Consider. He said that this because the birds were overhead and the lilies around them. Their object lessons were right in the front of their eyes. Do birds worry? No. 
the flowers do not uh, fret. Uh, no. Birds don't read the, the newspaper and watch the news. <laughs> or, <laughs> or look for, you know, stock market results and the need for the, the need of the birds are always met. Do you ever hear birds flying through the air saying, uh, you know, I wonder if you'll get some food today. <laughs> no. So the same way for us. No. We are, we are not to worry. We are, we are to be, uh, you know, uh, yes, we have to trust. We don't have to worry. Because God has already provided everything. It's not something that he forgot. He's provided everything for us. So the thing is, we have to reach out and, and receive that and, and tell God, thank you, Lord. Our praise now for everything we do is should be thankfulness. Because it has already been done for us. So we should just keep on thanking God. Even though we may not see results as we want it to be, God already has a plan for us. You know, the results will come through because He promised that. Maybe, you know, they are waiting and saying, oh, God's not listening to me. God has already heard you because your prayers are always answered. But there are other things which stop the flow of God coming to you. You know, because uh, there, are, uh, there's, uh, there are demonic forces or you yourself with your. Uh, favoring uh, thinking or unbelief stops the, the flow of God. So when we pray for something, believe and receive, even though it may not manifest in your in your body instantly. But as you speak and, uh, and keep on thanking God, it will manifest. That's the promise of God. Because He's already done it. You know, so uh, like I don't know. It, 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 it has worked for me. So I'm just telling you what, what has worked for me. You know, I, I, so we have to keep at it. But do not uh, uh, lose uh, you know, your, uh, your faith and say, oh, no, you know, God doesn't work that way. Because half the world is already thinking that way, that God doesn't come through all these uh, calamities and all that comes from God. It doesn't. You know? Why would a loving father bring calamity and uh, sickness and all that to you when he loves us so much. I don't think any father would do that to his child. You know? So, uh, thinking of it logically, that's not from God. Whatever it is. You know? And we have a way out. We have to reach out to God and accept what he has done for us. And it works. You know? So that's, that's just one. So that was one of the results of, the, of Jesus on the cross. Because when he died on the cross, he says, it is finished. So now was a new absolutely new way of thinking for us. The, the, the path to heaven was open for us because Jesus died on the cross. You know, and he took on himself every disease, every infirmity, every negative thing that was there which was pre- present from the creation of man. He says now it's a new beginning. So let us reach out to that new beginning and you know, move with it. And then you know, we can see that we'll have victory. Because, uh, you know, a lot of people are waiting on God to do it and it's already done. And that's a very long thing uh, that we are doing, you know. So, uh, that's one. <laughs> that's one. Because, uh, basically, if you see, the whole uh, Bible says, we are destined to win. Amen. And that's what it is. <laughs> we are winners. So, let us walk in that winning, winning streak. Let's not go into the, you know, the negative. Walk in that winning streak. Like how, you know, when you win a race, like you're there and I've done it, I've done it. And you go for the trophy and you know, you're, you're really elated. The same way with God. 
when we when when uh, we are destined to win, there's no other there's no other result. We are winners, so let's go for it. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, that is how I think. Maybe, maybe I'm being a bit too bold, but uh, uh, I'm sorry. So God has never made a failure. You were created to be a success. So, and all that has come after the death of Christ on the cross. You know, we are now no more failures. We are success. That's what He has given us, success. So let's just thank God for the success that He has given us. You know, and things will be good. You know. So, so one one way of getting into that success is by reading the word and renewing our minds. Because that is the only thing which is going to change, renewing our minds. So we think in a different, very different way of thinking. You know, uh, uh, from, from our old thinking, renewing our minds totally changes our way of thinking. So God, God gave us this book, the Bible, to read and renew our mind. It's not something that you memorize. You get a lot of people, you know, where they can just speak out verses from here and there and all that. So we think, wow, this guy's holy. I don't think so. <laughs> but we can just study one verse for a year. And that verse will give you different, uh, you know, uh, uh, directions. It'll give you, a, uh, it'll give you a solace. It'll give you strength. It'll give you everything. Just on one word. Because that word is God's word. You know, so that's uh, that's how because uh, it's not something that you know people keep on saying. Oh, read the Bible twenty times in a lifetime. So it doesn't make any difference if you get nothing from it. It's not going to help. You know, it's just a few words that will change your whole outlook to to seeing God. You know? So uh, I think I've spoken too much. <laughs> uh, so the death of Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, I was just reading something yesterday. Even while he was on the cross, he was thinking about other people. You know? So his love was there permanently. Even in his, when he was up on the cross, he looked at his mother, he looked at the, you know, his disciples, and he looked at the soldiers who were killed. And he loved them. That was the start of all, all, you know, the the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of love, you know, which uh, for us sometimes very difficult, you know, when, uh, when you get somebody who's really in your face, I don't think you can really say, I love you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but that is the way Jesus, Jesus did it that way. Even people came and, you know, abused him and whatever, he still said no. He still loved everyone. You know? So, I'm not saying that we uh, we can imitate Jesus 100%, but it's tough. We can we can start working on it. I've got a few things to work out too. But uh, <laughs> a lot of people get in your face a lot of times. You know, and, uh, well, that's not the story. <laughs> so. Still have victory. Yes. Always, always. <laughs> so. Uh, the, the breaking of bread and uh, and uh, the and uh, the, the sacrifice of communion is a commemoration of what Jesus did on the cross for us and what He's still doing. Mm-hmm. So that is just a connection. This is just a symbol 
But if we look at the symbols, the blood that washed us clean, now we are now we can walk into the throne room of God. We are shining white because of the blood of Christ, you know, and the body that was broken for us. When Jesus took the scourging, and you know, every scourge, it was a root of a disease. So those roots are all broken. So what what we have to do is, you know, he's, he took away all our sins because they couldn't recognize him on the cross because all the sins of the world, every disease that was in the world, came upon Jesus. You know? So, I mean, if they couldn't see that he was a man, actually, it must have been really bad. You know. So what we what we have to see now, we have to walk in victory because it was already done for us. So let's you know if we are sick, let us say, "Oh, Jesus died for me. My sickness was taken away by Jesus," and speak that and acknowledge that Jesus had died for us. And he has taken away my diseases. Maybe we won't see the symptom go away immediately. But the absence of symptoms doesn't mean that you are not healed. You have you've already been healed. But the absence of symptoms doesn't mean you're not healed. No. So because one day somebody the symptoms will go away, and you'll still want you'll still be saying, "Oh, I'm sick. I'm sick." And then you'll find out, "Oh, I'm not sick anymore." You know. So. Jesus has done it. The moment you you uh, acknowledge that Jesus had died on the cross and took away all your sins and all your diseases, every disease, there'll be attacks from the enemy. You know, because immediately the enemy will come and tell you, "Ah, uh, look at you. You know, your symptoms have come back. Ah, uh, you were not healed." But we have to be consistent because our God is always there for us in any way. You know, whether it's down or up, He is. He is the main standard that we, we have to uh, uh, stick to. So we thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice on the cross, for the shedding of your blood, and for the breaking of your body, Lord. Thank you for all those things you have done for us, Lord, and help us to believe and see that we are now in victory. Thank you, Lord. What so someone says in that when people listen to us? Entscheidendes, was du tust. was heißt it? So you don't need to read the Bible? It hilft dir natürlich. gut. Du musst dazu rein. Okay. Lord, du hilfst uns. Nicht die Menschen. Just remember, we live in the land of the Holy Spirit. Don't forget that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm so sorry, but I don't need to be sorry because you are alive. I was going to preach today because Keith is hitting my weekend, so I don't really know. It's good to see the back. <laughs> Blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, put out for the gift forgiveness of your sins, Lord. Praise God. Can we just say a, a very special 
Welcome to the other half of the church on, on Zoom. So will you just join me? One, two, three. Welcome, Zoomers. Amen. Praise God. Please, please remember the Zoomers to turn your mics off, please. I've, I've done this. Okay. Awesome. I'm Praise just trying God. to find a way to record. Okay. Well, we're going to pray, but we're going to excuse you while you find your technical. Hallelujah. Let's ask God for his blessing upon the word. Father, we thank you for this incredible life that you've given to us. Recording in progress. Lord, we ask, Father, that you would minister to us uh, through the word of God this morning, that you would speak into our hearts and lives, that you'd make it a living word. Lord, you'd breathe upon it, make it a burning flame, a fiery flame. Lord, let your word be as a hammer to break down walls of resistance and stubbornness in our thinking. And so, Father God, we really ask that there would be an outpouring of your spirit, that there would be a, a connection and everything that's said and done this morning in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I was going to continue with our study uh, in, in the book of Jude, but I, uh, I just felt that we were going to postpone that one more week and I'll, I'll finish that um, uh, next, next Sunday. So if you... Uh, if you want to renew yourself, we're not going to recap because, again, this is such a long message uh, next week. Uh, I encourage you to go onto the church website and you can listen to the first part if you want to refresh your memory. But we will be continuing with our study in the book of Jude next week. This morning, I, I want to, uh, God has done something a little bit different on my heart. And so I, I just want to share what the, the Lord um, has given to me. It, it's really a, a follow-on from what Errol was saying, you know, because it, I want to share about the Word of God and how it affects our life. And one of the things that, that has really changed my entire destiny, my whole future direction, uh, was getting into the Word of God. Uh, you know, I, I was a nominal Christian at one stage. Uh, I know you can't believe it, and that's shocking, but that's okay. Um, I was a nominal Christian, and I struggled, and um, I, I did more for the devil Monday to Friday than, than I did for the Lord on Sunday. Uh, that was, for many years, that was my Christian life. Um, and then um, God got a hold of my life. And, you know, I, I, I realized that I wanted to follow the Lord, um, but I found it difficult. Anybody know that, you know, oh, God, I, I keep on messing up. I feel like struggling from time to time. And I, I, somebody came alongside me and said, you know, Rob, you're never going to get this right. He said, you need to ask God to help you to get it right. Ah, God can help me get this right. And, when, and, and, and it was like a light bulb went on my head. Because I tried over and over to get this thing right. And man, I, as I said, did for more for the devil. And so I prayed most sincerely. I said, Lord, I need help because I want to follow you. I want to see you. I know it's right. Um, but um, I'm struggling. Please help me to live the life that you've given to me. And you know, it, it was an amazing thing. I, there was a sense of power that came upon me. I, the, the room seems so much, I, my eyes closed, but the room seemed so much brighter, and I felt the light. Uh, it's like the, um, the weight of my sin had been burdened. God was saying, I will empower you to, to lead this new life. And so when, when I sincerely called out to God, to help me, um, he gave me his strength and his power, and I am what you, I am today before you, <laughs> due to the, the wonderful work of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we might think he's got a hell of a lot more work to do, <laughs> and, and I would agree with it. But you know, 
Uh, I want to share with you uh, some aspects about the Word of God. And if you've got your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to Romans uh, chapter 15. And uh, we're going to look at one verse which is so overflowing with, with uh, information that um, we, we need to spend some time in it. But, you know, uh, for you ladies who don't know who Alex Ferguson is, uh, Alex Ferguson was a, a very proud Scotsman. And he went into the English Premier League and he took over a little club called Manchester United. And uh, he, he turned Manchester United into one of the most successful clubs uh, in, in the, the, the Premiership of, of the UK. And so they won just about everything that was uh, uh, available to win. They, did. they won it. And so the reporters came to Alex Ferguson and said, what is the secret of your success? You've cleaned up the whole of Europe. You've cleaned up all of England. You know, your, your team uh, wins all the time. It's almost a given. What is the secret of your success? How many would like to know the, the secret of your success? Okay, send me afterwards. I'll, I'll tell you two later. Moving on. Um, the, the truth is, we did, uh, he, he said this something. He said, there's no secret. We have just learned to do the basics well. And I think the same could be said uh, uh, of, of the, the New Zealand c- c- coach, Graham Henry, you know, with, with the All Blacks. Um, he said he made a similar comment the one day that, that they had mastered the basics. And uh, I, I really believe that once, as Christians, we master the basics, we're going to find we are moving in a brand new dimension of power and success, glory and anointing, amen. But it's about getting the basics right. But the basics are not the, not the interesting part, you know. We, we kind of want to move from the basics to the glory and the wonder. But how many of you know you don't, get, you don't get all the accolades and the trophies and success without first embracing the basics? And so one of the basics that I want to, to share with you this morning is about embracing the Word of God. How often do you read your Bible? If you're not reading your Bible, and again, here I must confess, I didn't read my Bible for years. I was about 18 years in the church, a deacon in the fellowship. And when, when they said, turn to Galatians, I'd say, all the New Testament should take me. A deacon in the church, I didn't know the Bible. And I think there are many Christians out there that were like me, you know. But uh, I, I began to get into the Word of God, and something happened in my spirit. I, I, I cried out to God, God, you've got to help me read this. Because I would read it, and I'm sure you'll be able to identify with this. You read your, your, your Bible reading this morning, and you get to the end, and you think, what did I just read? <laughs> and I think we've all been there. But you know, when we have a, a heart after God's Word, and say, Lord, help me to see. Open my eyes. I love that Psalm 119, uh, verse 11, or, uh, 18, uh, one that, that David said. Open my eyes, and I might behold wondrous things out of thy world. There's some incredible treasures of wisdom and grace that will change your life and revolutionize and make it so much better. Well, that was a long introduction. I didn't mean to do that. Okay, but so I want you to look at Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. It says this, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for early, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Man, there's a lot to unpack in just that. Uh, that one little uh, verse. Um, but it starts with, 
by saying even the Old Testament, he said, whatsoever things were written aforetime, he's referring to the Old Testament. And it's a, it's a New Testament verse, and as we pointed out when we were looking at the apostates, that there are people who think, oh, I'm a New Testament Christian, I don't need the Old Testament. We do, and this is another verse that points it out. Um, so we can learn from the Old Testament saints. Some of them were good, weren't they? Some of them were real villains. And I won't ask you who you identify with, but, but there, there was certainly good and bad in, in that group. Some were a mixture. But whatever, whether they were good or whether they were bad, um, there's lessons to be learned. You can learn uh, negative lessons from somebody the, the wrong way they did that. Or you can learn and say, I would like to emulate this man for this reason. So you, you have positive reinforcement. So every story in, in the Old Testament will enrich your understanding of, of your New Testament experience in Christ. This is what, what Paul is saying. Whatsoever things, whatsoever things are written aforetime were written for our living. That, you know, we, we, we're going to get these few fold things, patience, comfort, and hope. How many think that those would be wonderful qualities to have? Patience, comfort, and hope. Well, we're going to look at that. So, um, you know, people, uh, many people are uh, living on nervous energy. We're going to look at this, this patience that God wants to give us. They're afraid, uh, and they're trying to do everything right, you know, and they get frustrated, you know. They're killing themselves trying to get everything right. You know, it has to be just so-so, and they get frustrated with themselves and everybody around them. Please don't look and stop those elbows flying. You know. <laughs> but, um, you know, we, we understand that uh, it's, it can be a real a stressful time. And this, this thing called patience is such a valuable commodity in our lives. Do you look at patience that way? You know, but it really is. Think about this. There was a guy in the Old Testament who lost a kingdom for lack of patience. Do you remember who that was? That was King Saul. You know, maybe he was waiting. Uh, he'd been told to wait for Samuel to come and bring the sacrifice. And uh, on the seventh day, uh, Samuel was supposed to be there. Uh, and he hadn't arrived in time for Saul's liking. And the enemy was getting... Uh, there was an attack about to take place. We thought, we can't go into, into battle without offering a sacrifice. And so Saul decided that he would not only be king, but he would step into the office that was uh, uh, anointed for the priest. And he, he saw no, no other option other than to offer the sacrifice himself. He'd seen it done many times before over his lifetime. He knew what to do. But he invaded an, 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 the office that God had not called him to. Because he was impatient, because the enemy was, was it looked very threatening, and so he he offers the the sacrifice, and no sooner has he offered it, then then Samuel comes, and as a result, God's judgment was on. You know, sometimes God just wants us to be patient. God wants us to wait, and I confess, waiting is a hard thing to do. You know, we live in such an instant generation. But God wants us to wait. And one of the biggest waitings that he wants is for us to wait upon him. Can you say amen? We need to be waiting upon the Lord. Saul lost an entire kingdom. Everything that he valued was lost because of impatience. And many problems occur due to lack of patience, from spoiled meals to broken business needs. Patience. We need to be patient. 
In fact, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 says, For you have need of patience. You have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. That's exactly what, what Aaron was saying. You know, we start off believing God. We think, oh, this is wonderful. We find a promise of God. This is great. And we start to believe it for a week, 10 days, two weeks. God, you haven't done a miracle for me. And we stop believing. We start doubting. And how many of you know, once you cross that bridge into doubt and belief, you're never going to get your miracle. But if you stay faithful uh, to, to the Lord, if you endure in God's time, he will bring it to pass. I could share many, many stories about how, uh, as we waited on the Lord, uh, and miracles happened. And, you know, when you start to get in the flow of miracles and get into the flow of God's grace, amazing things can happen. I remember one time uh, I was a, a, an RA, which was a, a, like a pastor on, on the Bible school seminary. And um, so that they, I had to some families that I had to take care of. One family cancer and said, please, will you pray for me? You know, uh, we, we have uh, no food. And so uh, I said, okay, well, let's pray. Let's believe God for a miracle. And so we prayed. And as we said, amen, there was a knock. We heard running down the corridor. And so we, we went to the door. And as we opened the door, these bags of groceries just fell up with steaks and cream and, and all sorts of incredible goodies, chocolates. And, and they said, wow, that's the quickest answer to prayer I've ever seen. There was nobody around the side who legged it, you know. But the, but the abundance of groceries. And so when you, you can, as you wait upon the Lord and spend time in His presence, you know, God begins to move on our behalf. Uh, healings and, and, and all sorts of wonderful things will take place. He says, For you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. How many of you know God wants you to receive the promise that He has for you? But you know, God's smart. God's really, really smart. Because he knew that it is, if it was just a case of asking and believing uh, uh, and, uh, and things would happen, guess what God would become? Our genie. Yeah. God, I'm believing for a new motorbike. Thank you, Lord. Whoa. <laughs> That's kind of what would happen. Uh, because with they're believing for... Uh, uh, and God's too smart for that. He says, I want you to trust me. You want a new motorbike? I'll give you a new miracle. But you know, you have to stand in faith and believe. I, I can tell you that God has given me a number of motorcars that we were believing for. He's given us motorcars, He's given us all sorts of things. But we had to learn to be patient and not doubt in those times. That's the hardest part, you know. As time goes by, you want to doubt. I was just talking to uh, Annie and Keith uh, about my son Richard and, and when we were fighting for his life, it was an 18-month battle. Uh, you know, they, they said he was going to die and be in a wheelchair before he died and had to be able to walk and all these terrible things. But we said, no, no, not having any of that. And so we, we just stood and we prayed. And then every time we go to the doctor, we get a worse report, you know. And so, uh, and we're going through the same thing with Jack, my, my grandson. But, you know, the, the, the devil's not going to catch me. You know, I, I, I wasn't caught the first time. I'm not being caught the second. My grandson is going to be perfectly here. There's going to be no uh, cerebral palsy. There's going to be no brain disorders. He's, no, he's going to be, uh, uh, he's got a brain. I've been praying that it's going to be better 
than Albert Einstein. <laughs> I know. Jesus said, ask whatever you will. So he's going to say, okay, God, I believe he's going to have a brain like Albert Einstein. I believe that he's going to sing and play uh, the guitar like Paul McCartney. Uh, he's going to be a great rugby player uh, like any any all black or uh, spring rugby kid to name. Uh, and so, you know, ask what you will. And I'm just believing that there's no bad report that's going to come out uh, of my, my son, my grandson is going to be totally healed. And uh, I, I've shared with you um, about the fact that my son has uh, not spoken to me in five years. Uh, well, when, when mom passed away this week, I was uh, I, I, uh, I phoned him and uh, he, uh, he didn't answer, but he phoned feedback. So I took the phone out of his hand <laughs> and I just spoke to him. And so now we're speaking. So thank God. Thank you for your prayers. And I believe that that's going to be an open door that we can now build on from there. But we need to be patient. You know, these things don't happen overnight. God is not a genie. But, but how many know that he's faithful to his word? Amen? Amen. God watches over his word, waiting to perform. And if you stand your ground, and sometimes you have to stand for months, sometimes for years. But God's word does not fail. It will come to pass. And so um, he says, you have need of patience. So after you've done the will of God, uh, then uh, you might receive the promise. Patience possesses the promises. We pray and believe and then we give up and then it doesn't work. We need to be faithful in that. Patience is an important part of Christian as you are aware. But there's power in the promise and when we are patient, we will see that power released. Remember what, what uh, the, the author of Hebrews, and I believe it was Paul, said in, in Hebrews 6.12, he said that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So there are promises that God has for us, and he says you'll inherit them, but you've got to be patient. And so every promise that God has promised is that you can inherit if you remain faithful and if you can be patient. And, uh, I think that's, that's a good thing. Uh, patience, then, is a byproduct of Scripture. It activates the promise. The more time you spend in the Word of God, you know what happens? You discover the faithfulness of God. You discover the goodness of God. You discover the love of God. The love that God has for us is unparalleled. There is nothing like it. That this God of heaven didn't stand in these ivory towns. Listen, if you guys get your act together, I'm going to come down and help you. And, and, and you know, I, I, I'll work with you. No, he didn't do that, did he? In our sin and in our darkness and in our rebellion, in our brokenness, God says, I love them so much, I'm going to come and I'm going to pay the price for their sins. You and I should have been the ones that were crucified. We were the ones that have violated every commandment. If you're like me, I can say that. Uh, almost every commandment. Uh, but, you know, we're the ones that were guilty. We were the ones that deserved to be punished. But Jesus, <laughs> Jesus absolutely took all our punishment, all our sin, all our guilt. And I thank God because... You know, the truth is, I was such a sinner that when, when I gave my heart to, to the Lord, the devil cried. You know, he was really heartbroken. <laughs> That's another story. Look, the truth is, we need to be patient. Remember when we were looking at, at James the other day, and we looked at James chapter 1, verse 3, when 
and standing on faith. It says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. <laughs> How many like the sounds of that? I like that. And that's the promise of God. He says, uh, you know, if we are uh, if we'll be faithful and patient, we'll want for nothing. Uh, we'll be perfect. Now, uh, we, we, I know that when we get to the missing perfection, personified. <laughs> no, no, no free videos to us. <laughs> Just in case you couldn't see, I was shaking my head. But you know, the, the, the truth is that uh, as we uh, come before the Lord, He says He'll make us perfect. And that, that Greek word we saw uh, in, in our study on faith was how it was a, a, a maturity. God will bring us to maturity, but then He goes on to say, where we'll want nothing. You know, there's a place in God where we can be totally content, totally in peace with whatever circumstance and whatever situation we find ourselves in. Amen. There's a peace that God brings that passes all understanding, a joy unspeakable and full of glory, and so we can go on. So it's resolve in our hearts to be patient, to trust God, to lay hold of the promise in the Word of God, and be patient and really patient because. By faithfulness and patience, we will inherit the promises. So God will watch over us. We're waiting for you. Know, spend time in the Word of God, and you'll find out how wonderful the Lord is. And the power of His promises will begin to manifest. There's a work to be done in us that can only be done by trusting God and being patient. You know, it's like wine or cheese. That, that you make wine. Has anybody ever tried to taste raw wine? Well, we were schoolboys. <laughs> we made our own wine illegally, illicitly. And as soon as, was, as soon as we made it, we thought, okay, got to taste it. Yuck! Don't ever do that. Uh, and make sure, let me tell you, make sure you sterilize those bottles. Because when you put them in the roof, if they're not sterilized, they explode. And your, and your illicit still goes up in smoke. So uh, make sure that you are patient, clean the bottles, and, and, and then put your wine in, and then wait for it to mature. And it's in that maturing process that the, the, the wine takes on a blended and harmonious flavor. The cheese is the same thing. There's just no substitute for time when it comes to wines and cheeses. And no substitute for Christianity when we walk with the Lord. Trust the Lord. Keep trusting God. No matter what you're going through, keep trusting. God is good. Can you say amen? God is wonderful. So we need to be um, those that walk in patience. The second thing that we want to look at here is the Scripture gives us comfort. There are lots of people who uh, live without comfort. They're insecure. And... uh, you know, many people live in fear. They don't know uh, what, to, what to do with things. They, they really are so vulnerable. They, they wounded people. And so they're very conscious uh, about what other people think. And they, they, they have no comfort. They have no peace in their soul. And, and uh, you know, they, they will do things to conform, to fit into society. Maybe things even that they are not happy with. But the, their need for comfort, their need for acceptance allows them to 
cross lines that they wouldn't necessarily cross otherwise, you know. That, but the, the truth is, even when they do that, they're still not happy. I mean, you know, that a lot of us used to live our lives that way, isn't it? Before we came to Christ, you know, we lived for the approval of man. We wanted the comfort. We wanted to fit in. We wanted to be a part. And we, we compromised and we did whatever we would. But I mean, that just left you more empty than before, more bereft because you feel that you've done things that you were, wouldn't necessarily have done otherwise. And you're drawn down into depression and darkness and horribleness. You know, I was so insecure at one stage in my life that if you told me that I was going to be a public speaker, I probably would have had a heart attack on the spot, and, but I probably wouldn't have believed you. I was so afraid. I remember trying to read in class out loud. Do you remember that? Those wonderful experiences that these teachers inflict upon us. <laughs> and uh, I remember having tried to read out loud, and they said, okay, it burns, it's your turn. And it was like every morsel of moisture vanished from my throat and my mouth. It's like, <sighs> I tried to, and my heart went into overdrive. My lung, and, and uh, my eyes went blurry. And it was about all I could get out. I hated that because I was so insecure. I was so afraid of men. I I was so needed to be loved. And and I did everything but uh, to get people to love me. In fact, I did the opposite. That's another story. But I needed uh, to be comforted. And the guys uh, that uh, really didn't appreciate you. And as a result... I withdrew from society, and, and I, many weeks I would just stay in my room by myself, and I wouldn't talk to anyone. And people would say, "Come out, let's go." And I, I just, you know, I was so wounded, I was so hurt, I was so broken over my life, the way I looked at it. was just a mess. And it's only when I came to understand that God loved me and started to say that, "Hey," I, I began to understand the message that God says. I'm valuable. Did you know I'm valuable? You can't sell me on the stock market, but I am valuable in the sight of God. God loves me and, and, and wants to bless me. And when, when that message began to soak into my spirit, that we are precious in God's sight, that every one of us is of extreme value. Extreme. What value do you put on a life? What value would a billionaire put on, on, on his kidnapped child's life? He would give it all. Because... The life is so bad. And that's the way God looks at your life and my eyes. You are wonderful. You're fearfully, wonderfully made. God loves you. And he wants the very best for you. He wants to change your life. Make it better. So he wants to comfort us and minister to us. I was so insecure. You know, I would have given anything to be different. You know, you, you ask people, a lot of people say, well, oh, you know, if, if you get into an honest conversation, say, are you really happy with your life with yourself? And I said, well, no, I, I wish I could lose a few pounds. I wish I wasn't going bald. I wish I was taller. Uh, or <laughs> I wish I wasn't so angry. You know, with hardly any of us actually appreciate our, our physical appearance. But when you know that God loves you and you're secure in the love of the Father and that you are precious in your sight and that he walks with you day by day, and he blesses your life and brings good things to pass in your life. How many know that, 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 that you learn to accept yourself? And you are comforted in your heart and in your mind and in your spirit.
discovered God first. You know, when that happened to me when I really began to get into the Word of God. I my God encouraged you enough to spend time in the Word, memorizing it, meditating upon it. But there's a scripture in Second Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 14 that has been very precious to me uh, this week of Mom's passing. It says this, that speaking about God, it says, Who comforts us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort with me, with me ourselves, a comfort of God. I have felt the love of God this week. I have felt, I know many of you have prayed and, and, and lifted up honey and, and Keith and I um, as you heard the news of Mom's passing. And I felt that love. I felt that comfort of the Holy Spirit. And um, I, I've been praying. When Mom asked me to do her funeral, I just had a heart attack. Because when, when my dad passed away, I couldn't open my mouth. Because if I opened my mouth, I was going to be, I would just bore. And so when mom asked me to do her funeral, I thought, oh, Lord, what are you asking of me? You know? So anyway, uh, I'll be doing this funeral tomorrow because it's the last thing that I can do for it. And I, I have just experienced God's comfort. And he's just been coming alongside me and saying, you can do this. And so uh, I really appreciate God's comfort. The word not only gives us patience, it gives us hope. It also gives us, as as we've been talking about, comfort, hope, comfort, hope, and patience. We want to look at hope. Many people are surviving without hope. You know, we struggle sometimes. Oh God, why why isn't why isn't this happening? You know. Uh, when, when there's no hope, life becomes an existence instead of an exhilaration. You know, God wants us to enjoy abundant life. Jesus came to give us this wonderful life. And that's our hope, isn't it? That there is a better life that, that we can we are entering into now, but it's going to reach its completion when we get to glory. There is going to be mansions untold for us. And some of you are going to have wonderfully big mansions, and I'm going to be your next door neighbor. And I'm going to come visit you. <laughs> but you know, having that hope is something very special, and uh, you know, it, it, it's something that we all need, and it comes from the scriptures, as we said. You know, there was a time in Acts 27 20 when, when Paul was in that incredible storm on his way to Rome, and there was like Two weeks with the weather, they were being blown here, there, and everywhere. And it says that there were many days when the sun or the moon and stars shone, and they lost all hope. And, uh, you know, they, they, they thought, well, this isn't, we're going to drown because we, we can't steer the ship. It's absolutely hopeless. Uh, and these guys were alone and depressed, and they, they were discouraged. And they were demotivated. They lost their strength. And all they wanted to do was give up the over. Many people are like that in the church today. But you know, we serve the God of hope. We serve a God who, who lifts the fallen. We serve a God who, who, who upholds the, the beggar and strengthens the weak and gives hope to the hopeless. We serve a wonderful God. Can you say amen? But there are many people who have totally collapsed in mission. I find it very interesting that Paul is in the ship because he's been sent to Rome to stand before Caesar for crimes that, that uh, he didn't commit, but he had to 
justify himself before Caesar. And then on the way there, the storm is so devastating. Everybody, there, there are like 300 people, 278 people on board the ship, and they, they're all despairing of life. They're all giving. And it's there that the true leader emerges. Because remember, Paul's a prisoner. But he stands up and begins to take charge of what's happening. And he says to this, he said, fear not, for I believe God, that an angel of God stood before me this night and has given me a word of hope. The things that God has said are, are going to come to pass. We are not, not one person will die if you listen to me. And so he said, I, you've been fasting for, for 10 days now or something like that. He said, I want you to eat something, be strong, uh, because this ship is going down. But we, not one of us is going to be lost. What a message of hope for, to men that are hopeless. You know? He said, God has told me. He had a word from the Lord that said, I have hope for every single one of you. If you listen to me, you will not perish. The boat's lost. You can forget that. That's gone. That's gone. But not one of us will die. And you know the story, how they ran aground. And exactly as Paul prophesied, the ship was utterly destroyed. But there wasn't one prisoner who escaped. And uh, every single one of them was saved. And had a glorious reunion on the island of Matin. What a wonderful hope. Somebody came with a message of hope. Amen. And I'm here to tell you that I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your, your circumstances are that have caused you to become discouraged or disheartened. But God is sending here to tell you there is hope in Christ. There is a message that, that God wants to break through all your difficulties, all your troubles, all your hardships. God wants to turn your life around and bless you. Can you say amen? amen. That's the God of hope we serve. So Paul was the prisoner who stands up. And becomes the leader. Life with Christ is endless hope. Life without Him is a hopeless end. The Word is the answer, you know, for the insecure, for the hopeless, for the depressed. Feed on the Word of God. You know, there was a time when I was suicidal before I got saved, and it was the Word that began to change my life. I want you. Know that whatever you're going through, if you spend more time meditating, memorizing, reading the word, you will be filled with hope because God is His word. He is hope. He is comfort. He is strength. He is everything that you need Him to be. So, if you are strong, if you are on the other side of the spectrum and you are you are filled with hope, be an encourager of those around about you. Be tell people there is hope in Christ. Tell people that Jesus is the lover of their soul. He's not here to condemn us. He's not there to, 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 uh, to destroy us. He's there to bless. He show, he's there to show us how to get the most out of life. Now, God's prohibition or prohibition, oh, what's that word? Oh, my brain's gone. I'm tired. Prohibitations? Oh. Prohibitions. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you. God's prohibitions um, are, are, are not... I, I, to, to show his, his kindness, but to show his goodness. When God said, don't do that, it's because he's saying, there is a better way. There's something more wonderful, more glorious that I have for you. Turn from that and see all that I have for you. So uh, that's exactly what God wants us to do. So, you know, if, if you have hope, be an encourager, lift people up. Consider the, the mosquito for a second. 
Every time he goes to work, he gets a pat on the back. <laughs> Be an encourager. <laughs> I remember uh, something that Walter Gay said years ago, and I loved it, and I wrote it down. Said, More people die from broken hearts than stolen hands. You know, sometimes we think, oh, I don't want to tell that person that because they're, they're going to get all up. More people die from broken hearts than stolen be that, bring that word of encouragement, bring that word of love and of hope. Stand with people that are going through a hard time. <laughs> the second lesson that I, I want to share with you is that the word offers us guidance. Life can be really confusing at times, can't it? Not knowing what to do, where to invest your money. Life is simple in the old days, you know? Uh, you, you, you had money, you dug a hole in, in your garden and you buried it, or you put it under your mattress. Today, it's, uh, do you want government bonds, treasure, uh, uh, do you want to invest in the stock market or the pension plans? Or And there's this plethora of what the heck do I do? You know, and it's just mystifying at times. But, you know, the Bible says that if we will wait upon the Lord, that God will guide us. God will show us the right thing to do. I remember uh, reading about a story, uh, a testimony of this pastor uh, who had just moved into this town and he was looking to buy a church and uh, and set up a, a ministry there. And there, there was uh, only two or three churches available. And uh, God said to him, I want you to buy this one. So I thought, okay, that's great. I'll go down and have a look at it. And he, he walked down and was horrified. The place was falling down. The, the roof was falling down. There were holes in the walls. It was, it was terrible. You know? And so Okay, what other options are available here? Another options were, were, were much better. And this, this wreck, this thing that was falling down this room, was one of the most expensive. And so he said, he said Lord, I, I, I'm obviously not hearing you. I think I need to go and, um, and I'm going to consider the other two options. You know that, Mark? He couldn't see. He couldn't see. He tossed and turned. And God kept on saying, You buy that, that one. The ruin, the most expensive one of them. And he just, he's, Lord, I, I haven't got money to waste. Big argument, you, you've done it. You don't look at me like, oh, you know. He argues with God. He says, no, God, I can't do this. And God spoke to him very tense. You don't buy that building. So eventually, you know when you know God's been There's just, you can worm, you can squirm, but there's no way you're going to do what God tells you. So I said, okay, God, I'll, I will do that. I will, uh, I will buy this building. And he's thinking, for the life of me, I don't understand why God wants me to buy this building. He signs the papers, and about two or three weeks later, they make an announcement in the press that there, there is going to be a massive mall built in the area. And guess where the one loan property holdout was? <laughs> that dilapidated trip. He sold it for millions because it was key to their development and nobody knew about it. But God was in that council and knew exactly what was taking place. He was the spy. And so God actually advised um, uh, this man on his finances. So God, God's really good. God can give us wisdom. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Hallelujah. God is a guide. God's will will guide us when we don't know what to do. 
God will guide us. Spend time in His presence. So now I'm looking out for any of the lapidated churches. If you have <laughs> so, but you know, I remember one time uh, just in the army, we would we would do night marches. Keith will remember these kind of things. We we would go out and do night marches in the middle of the bush, and man, we used to hate them. Because uh, you walk in, in in perilous terrain. Sometimes you'd be walking, there'd be a cliff that uh, you know, uh, five hundred feet deep, and you, you, you know. But when, when, to put your mind at rest, when they did practice night marches, they made sure there were no perilous areas. There were no per- limited perilous areas there. And so you'd go walking, and sometimes there'd be no moon. And you'd be walking, you'd fall into holes, and you'd get cut by barbed wire fences. And we had a, a particularly nasty tunic called a vachanbuki boss, which a vachanbuki boss, which literally translates means a wait a minute tree. This tree has the most incredible thorns that you have ever come across, and they're like fish hooks. And, and you walk past them, and suddenly you are going to be waiting a minute. You are going to stay because you are attacked. And it's like you, you pull them off here, and it, and it attaches over there. Vachan Bikin is a terrible tree. Night marches, you know, are really difficult. But when you become a seasoned soldier, you begin to understand and see what the, what the new recruits cannot see. Because a Vachan has this little whitish stem. And boy, when you are out there doing a night march, every keen soldier is looking at that one little white stem that would give it away that you're approaching a bucket. And the poor old green kids go, oh, wait a minute, I'm stuck. And then they put themselves. And how often I wished on night marches I could use a torch. But of course, in the army, they won't let you do that. But you know, as Christians, we have a torch to illuminate our way. We, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And if we pray and, and spend time in the word, God will speak to us. God will show us. And, uh, you know, he's able to direct our finances. He's able to direct uh, our marriage decisions uh, or what the future holds. Wait upon the Lord. Spend time in his word. Meditate on it. God's good. He has a good plan. You know, when when used to sit where you sat and, and minister said to me, You need to get in the word of God. I thought, Oh, I found the word of God glory. That was my honest reaction, you know. But it's because I hadn't learned to gain the things that I hadn't begun to understand the heart of God. When you do that, when you understand the heart of God, that everything he does is for our good. Because he loves us. He he thinks that we are precious. You know, God has your photograph on his fridge. He loves you. Yeah. You know, he looks at that and he, oh, there, there, there's Hanley and Keith and, and there's Julia and Vera and there's Phoebe and there. You know, yeah, we, we must have a big fridge, but, you know, nevertheless, <laughs> God is good and he loves us. And the more we spend time meditating in the word of God, the less stressed we'll be because we have God's comfort. The more hope we'll have because God will, will uplift us because he's the God of hope and infamous and help us in every circumstance and situation. And the more guidance we'll have as we spend time in his world. I was going to read the whole of Psalm 27, but I, I just going to uh, just maybe select a couple of verses here this morning. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. 
reach out your friend. God wants to walk with you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to help you. Verse 4 says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. That's one of my favorite scriptures. Because when you find the Lord, all you want is more of him. And every true believer said, Amen. 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 Thank you. I was wondering to tell you. Amen. It was that morning a message. Are you reading the message? Well done. But you know, God's love and God is our hope and our strength and our wisdom and our kindness. And the more time we spend meditating, memorizing, and worshiping God, dwelling in the house of the Lord, the happier, the more contented, the more healed we will be. You know, uh, honey will tell you what an angry young man I was. I, I couldn't walk past a fight without getting involved. I, I was an angry person. But God has taken, he's reached in and he loved me and loved me and loved me. And slowly but surely, the anger in my life has dissipated. And I look around and, and, and now, you know, the thing that's in my heart the most is love. I love you guys. You are my family. I love and I appreciate My heart is filled with and it's because we spend time in God's presence. So I'm going to ask if you'd bow your heads in a word of prayer this morning. I don't know what it is that you need from the Lord, but I'm telling you, there's no father that loves you more completely and more totally than our Heavenly Father. And everything He does is for our betterment, for our and if we would only trust the Lord and do things His way, things will have a way of working out in extremely wonderful ways. I just want to encourage you to draw close to God this morning. We are all abject failures without Christ. We've all messed up so incredibly in our lives and done things that we are totally ashamed of. And if it wasn't for the blood of Christ that cleanses us and washes us and forgives us and who is gracious to us, perhaps many of us would not even be here this morning. But as we bow before the Lord, I want to say to you, God loves you. You are precious. You are valuable. He's redeemed you with a king's ransom, the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Glory. And Jesus came to give his life for your shortcomings, for your failures. He's come to, to heal the brokenness in our hearts, to make us whole, and to give us this abundant life of goodness, of joy, of peace, of having sure their trials, sure their difficulties. This is not a fairy tale. But as we walk with God, he makes all things beautiful in this time. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the word. Uh, this is God's operating table. Uh, if you feel that you have a need in your life, whatever that need is, I want to tell you that God wants to help you fulfill it. And if you have a need in your life, you want God to do something in you, through you, you want God's help. I'm just going to ask you why every head is bowed and every 
answers to raise your hand. Is there any, anybody here that says, thank you, I feel you can see that. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you. Lord, do you see the needs of your people? Lord, you love each and every one of us so completely and so totally that you gave your life upon the cross for us. You suffered for our wrongdoing that we might be forgiven, that we might be healed, that we might have peace and joy. So, Lord, I ask that you, you administer to every single one of us, and especially Lord, those that have indicated a need for you to work in our hearts and lives. So, anything at all that you would ask for, Lord, just anything at all, just answer you with Thank you. 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 Thank you.